As we're in the third week of Lent here, the third week really, it focuses on the mercy of God. Really, it, it does focus on sin, takes us back to sin, but in focusing on sin, it takes our focus off the sin and on the mercy of God. So there's, there's something that's psychological here. If we focus too much on our sins, we become discouraged because we, we see that there's, there's no way out of our sins. When we fall, when we're like a leper, like Naaman, the Syrian. But if, if then we focus on God's mercy, it helps us psychologically because then we don't become discouraged. We have hope and we know that there's a savior. It's not to lead to presumption of God's mercy, but it leads us to hope of God's mercy so that we can go back and try again and maybe fall again and try again and fall again. Because that's, that's the history of the world. It's like the history of the world. It's the history of Israel. You know, if you read the Old Testament, about Israel climbing up and then they fall and then God rescues them with his mercy and then they're going up and then they fall again. And it's kind of the history of that church, you know, except for the saints that we have canonized. They were all weak and we all need God's mercy. And the Old Testament today has, it's a, it's a great story. It's a great story because it's a healing of a non-Israelite. It's Naaman who was a big, you know, he's, I always picture Naaman, he's big, he's tough, he's got muscles out here, you know, he's an army commander, he's taken over, you know, parts of Israel. And yet this big strong commander from Syria, because that, that's, Aram is Syria, is modern day Syria, that he's a leper. It's a physical leper. And Google leprosy. <laughs> You know, go on and Google leper. Actually, see what a leper looks like. You know, a, a leper has, you know, scars and boils all over their skin. And they may even lose their limbs. And it's a, it's a, it's a terrible disease because it just, it just gets worse. As the leprosy grows, it gets worse. And we don't know what stage of leprosy he was in. He might have been in the early stages because he was able to maybe still walk and go to Israel. So he was probably in the early stages where like his limbs and his fingers, his toes weren't falling off. And there's this little girl. And it's amazing how God can use the little ones. Isn't it amazing? How the Holy Spirit can speak through the youngest ones. St. Benedict used to always say in his role of religious communities, he always says, listen to the youngest members of the community because the Holy Spirit may speak through them. We have postulant Alex here. Holy Spirit may speak through postulant Alex to me and I need to obey it. He's one of our young members of our community. So don't ever discount a person's age. Even if they're a child, the Spirit of God can speak through them. And how does the Spirit of God speak through this little girl who's a slave in Naaman's house? She says, there's a prophet in Israel. And basically, go to this prophet who will cure you of your leprosy. And then Naaman 
he, he goes to Israel. He goes to the prophet Elisha, or people sometimes say Elisha, 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 whatever you want to say, however you want to say his name. And Naaman goes to the door, and Elisha doesn't even come out. And Elisha says, bathe in the Jordan River seven times, not just one time, seven times. Now, why seven? Because seven was a sacred number to Israel. Seven is the number of perfection. And that there are seven days in the week. And seven is always a sacred number because in Israel, they always had their feasts in seven. You know, we, our feasts are boring. Like, I, w I wish I was an Israelite. Like, our feasts are boring. We have one day and that's it, you know. And it's like boring, one day of Christmas, you know. It's like, I want to be in Israel, seven days of partying. Can you imagine seven days of partying? And then a lot of times they would add an eighth day. Be, maybe they were so drunk that they needed to rest before going back to work. And they would always add an eighth day. And eight is a sacred number also. And Hebrew, Israel is a symbol of completion. But, but that's a homily for Divine Mercy Sunday. That's a different homily. We're going to stick with seven today in Hebrew. And so seven is a, is a very sacred number. He tells them to go in the Jordan. And Naaman is angry. Because it was like he expected to like, you know, Prophet Elisha to come out and do all these incantations or something and, you know, do, do something miraculous. And he said, this is an ordinary action. Are not the rivers in Syria just as good as the Jordan River or even better? Maybe Jordan River was dirty. Who knows? And, and he wants to leave and his servants convince him. Thank God for those servants. They convince him to stay back. You just have to imagine the scene. And so then Naaman's convinced, and, he, and he's probably like one of these people who's reluctant to do something. You know when someone's reluctant, he's like, okay, I'll do it. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it anyway. Now imagine the scene. He's a leper. He's got sores on him. And he plunges once into the river and comes up, and he's all wet and dripping. Right? And the servants are probably counting it. So think of the drama. It's one, and he comes up. And two, and he comes up. Three, and he comes up. Four, and he comes up. Five, and he comes up. Six, and he comes up. And then finally, seven, and he comes up. And the seventh time, He's cleaned. His skin is clean. It's like a little baby. Can you imagine that? This big, tough, probably burly man. He's picture him with a lot of hair. And his skin is like a baby, it says. It's probably glowing. And think of Naaman's reaction. Just think of the emotional reaction. Sometimes we have to put emotion into the Bible. It's good to make it dramatic, like a soap opera. That's why people watch soap operas. They call them telenovelas in Spanish. That's why we like it, because they're dramatic. And there's a drama here on the Bible. And he comes up, <gasps> and maybe he saw his image in the water. And the servant saw it, and the servant said, Master, you're clean. Look, you're clean. A miracle. There's no more leprosy on your skin. A miracle. 
And he probably is looking as, and he said, a miracle, I'm clean. And you think of the excitement. They were probably jumping up and down. They were, they were so excited. And they were so excited that Naaman and his servants are so excited they go back to Elisha. And they meet him. And, and actually they, they then acknowledge that there's no God except the God of Israel. They become believers. They're not, they're not even Israelites. And they become believers in the God of Israel. Isn't that wonderful? That, that their faith is enlightened. So not only is Naaman clean and his servants are clean, but they all become believers. They, they, because of the miracle, they have faith. And I always wonder in the story, they never say this about the story, but when Naaman went back to Syria and people saw him, he, he was an example to the Syrians. He was an example to the king. The king saw him as a leper. Think of what it did maybe to the faith of the Syrians. And I, I always think of that little girl. Did he set that little girl free? Because it was through her voice that he went down to Israel and was cl cleansed of his leprosy. Did he set that little girl free? Or did, or did he adopt her as his daughter and she was no longer a slave in the house? I always wondered these things, and I won't know it until, you know, I get up there and say, can you tell me the addendum story of what happened to Naaman when he went back to Syria? And these are great stories. And now Jesus, when he comes into his own hometown of Nazareth, he first says, amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. So he's predicting the contradiction that will be against him. He's calling himself a prophet, and he's in his native place. And he uses two examples here. He uses Elijah and Elisha. So he uses the one example, which we just explained, Elisha and Naaman. And, but Jesus says that there were many lepers in Israel and yet it was only a non-Israelite, a Syrian, that was cleansed of his leprosy. And then he uses the example of Elijah, and there was a famine for three and a half years. And Elijah does not go to anyone in Israel. He only goes to a widow in Zarephath. Zarephath in the land of Sidon is modern-day Lebanon. So he goes to a non-Israelite, a Lebanese, in order to comfort her during the famine, where her oil jug does not run out. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying, basically, these two prophets, they did not go to someone in Israel. They went to minister to someone outside of Israel, to a Lebanese and Syrian. We would you know, use modern language. And to bring God's word and message. This is why the people were infuriated at Jesus. You ever wonder, that? Why, did they, why were they so infuriated at Jesus? Why did they bring him to the brow of a hill and want to throw him down head first? It was because the, the Jewish people thought that God is only for us as Jews. 
He's not for non-Jews. He's only for us. It's like, this is our God. They have their pagan gods. This is our God. Don't steal our God. And Jesus is bringing a new, new message saying that God is not just for the Jewish people, but he's for all people. That Jesus is going to become the savior, not just of the Jews, the Messiah, not just of the Jews, but the Messiah and the savior of the entire world. Lebanese and Syrian and Greek and Roman and every other nation that you can name, even to modern nations today, that Jesus is the savior of the entire world, including Israel. And this is why his own hometown was infuriated at him. Because God's mercy does not extend just to the Israelites, but extends to every single person in the world. That God cares for someone who's a non-Israelite. God cares for someone who's not even of your religion. Think of that. Because sometimes we think of Catholics. Oh, can God minister you know, to someone who's non-Catholic, you know, of different religion? Of course he can. You see it in the Old Testament. Where God ministered to someone who is not of the Hebrew religion. God's mercy is not limited. We limit God's mercy. But God's mercy is not limited only to the Catholic Church. He ministers in the Catholic Church, but God's mercy can minister also outside the Catholic Church. That there's no limit to his mercy. That's why Jesus is the Savior of the entire world. Of the entire world. And if you're in fury at this homily, well, we have a hill here, and you could throw me headlong, and maybe God will have me go right through your midst, just like Jesus. As God is responding to sin, as we read in the Gospels during Lent, as God gives his mercy to the poor, or to like the Samaritan woman yesterday, or the prodigal son story, and God gives his mercy even to non-Israelites. And Jesus preaches about this. What happens is as God gives his mercy, then there's contradiction. There's opposition against Jesus himself. And it will, and in Lent, as you read the gospels every day, it starts reaching an apex between the priests, the high priests, and the Pharisees. And they're contradicting Jesus' word. There's, they begin to plot until there's opposition within Jesus' own band of apostles, his own 12 apostles. There will be opposition within his own band of apostles. That's why when Simeon and Jesus was a baby, and Simeon predicted to Mary, Jesus will be a sign of contradiction. He will be that line that will divide people. And he is, and you see that during Lent. He's that line that divides people. He's that sign of contradiction. So in Lent, in these amazing stories that we have from the Old Testament, 
and you have celebration with Naaman and his servants. At the same time in Lent, there, there's kind of the serious side, this, we could say dark side of contradiction against Jesus, of contradiction against God's mercy, of opposition to the Son of God. And that's why I say it's like a drama. Think of it like a, it's like a drama. It's like, you know, a soap opera in which the drama, it, it, it gets more and more intense as we go through Lent. And it eventually reaches its apex on Good Friday. So like any good soap opera, tune in tomorrow. <laughs> and you know, see some more, tune in tomorrow because there's, you know, there's more on this soap opera of the person of Jesus Christ. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.